0: Hi, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. Again, a podcast where we learn, where we study, uh, where we grow. Uh, We try to become the best burdens of ourselves as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, we have a special podcast today. uh, But before I let the guys introduce themselves, uh, just quickly I want to give our shout-outs before we get into our podcast for the day. Uh, So if you're listening in the Alaska area, from uh, Eagle City, uh, we're grateful that you found the podcast um, also from uh, the Nevada area and uh, New Mexico, specifically uh, Albuquerque. So uh, we're grateful that you guys are listening to the podcast and you found us. And uh, we're grateful that we can grow and develop with you um, and continue to share and like the podcast and uh, continue to help us grow. So we really appreciate you guys listening uh, from those areas. Um, again, before we get started, I want the guys to introduce themselves. We have the Scattered Abroad Uh, network with us uh we're so grateful that they're uh here with us and i'm grateful that they were able to give a little bit of their time uh to the podcast so i'm going to start with uh with chase here and just kind of introduce yourself chase and introduce your podcast and what you uh bring to the scattered abroad network
1: appreciate you for having all of us on the podcast today and uh i'm the host of the everyday christian podcast which premieres on mondays at the scattered abroad network And I've really enjoyed uh, going over uh, the various topics that we cover, some of the topics we've covered on this season, Uh, Christian evidences, we've talked about evangelism, Uh, I've thrown in a few sermons on the podcast as well that I've preached here locally in uh, Marietta, Oklahoma, which is where I preach. And um, we're also talking about for the love of preaching right now, uh, the month of April and now into May, we've been talking about the love of preaching, and I've actually interviewed all the guys here at the scattered abroad network and talked about how we got into preaching and, and how, you know, why we love it so much and, and why preaching is is so important for, for men to get into. And so if any of your listeners happen to uh, be prospective preachers, I would encourage them to listen in particular to those episodes of my podcast, uh, the everyday Christian podcast, which is on Mondays. Um, I am preaching here in Marietta Oklahoma my wife we've been married almost eight years now her name's Lindsay and then we have three kids Andrew who is almost six Amelia who is three and Mariah who is nine months so uh, that's that's about it all
0: right that's awesome great we'll have Chase on uh, with us we'll move on to uh, Josh Cantrell
2: appreciate uh, you having us with us um, today Jordan uh, my name is Joshua Cantrell I am the host of the Diligent Podcast, where I like to say we make Bible study come to life. My particular podcast comes out on Saturdays. Um, Right now, we are um, asking and answering the question, how do you handle? But uh, next season is going to be more Bible study, more context-oriented lessons, uh, just to help people study the Bible, help people um, look at the Bible from a different perspective. Uh, I currently preach at the Casita Road Church of Christ here in Columbus, Georgia. Uh as you as as you guys know, I've been here uh, full time, six years, but of course, uh, this is the congregation I grew up at. So I've been here almost 27 years now. So it's uh the work is going great. i uh, and
0: happy to be here today. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. And then we'll move on to uh Daniel Webster.
3: What's up, guys? Um <laughs> I'm Daniel Webster, I'm the associate slash youth minister at the Mabelvale congregation in Little Rock, Arkansas. So I've been here like seven, eight months, something like that. And I'm loving it so far, just, I mean, the best people in the world <laughs> seem to seem to be gathered here, just great people. And uh, I have no idea why they hired me, but I'm loving it. And uh, so I'm the baby of the scattered abroad network and that I'm probably like half as old as the rest of the people on here. And so given that I brought, I put out things half as much. So the second and fourth Sundays of each month, my podcast drops. And uh, so it's, it's called the Bible storming podcast. And so that title kind of comes from the idea of brainstorming through the Bible. So just trying to approach like biblical topics, theological topics, just really kind of the deep topics of Christianity. Like this, this first season is just studying God and so, just trying to to dive into those things and brainstorm through what the Bible says and what we can, you know, reason through given those different subjects. So, uh, like we've been talking about the incarnation for the last I don't even know several episodes because the incarnation is is incredibly deep I've, I've discovered. And um, so then this Sunday, once there's an episode dropping about omnipotence and so different stuff like that, where we just 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 talk about with guests and sometimes just me discussing through. Uh, just different aspects of God and trying to brainstorm through the Bible.
0: Great. We're well, great to have uh, Daniel there with us as well. And then we'll move on to Houston.
4: Uh, hello, my name is Houston Welch. I am the host for The Way podcast. I preach for the Friendship Church of Christ in rural Lincoln County, Tennessee. It's just right up above the Alabama state line. So that's the reason why I have the accent that I do. <laughs> <laughs> the the way podcast is, well, Jesus said that broad and wide is the way that leads to destruction and straight and narrow is the way which leads to life. And when we read throughout scripture, we read about that certain way, which God has uh, prescribed for us to live. And so the way podcast is designed to help us own that way, to help us figure out what that way is. Uh, to through studying scripture.
0: Grateful to have Houston on. And also with Caleb and Michael are next, but with you guys kind of describe uh, what the Scattered Abroad Network is along with your podcast and where they can find it. Um, so we'll start with Caleb here.
5: Yeah, my name is Caleb Rutherford, uh, host of the Transform Podcast. It uh, airs every single Tuesday. I'm also the co-founder and co-director uh, of this network. I appreciate Michael, uh, all the work that he does. I'm glad that we get to work together in this effort. Um, we, I guess if you kind of look at the scattered abroad network, it's kind of like an umbrella and all of these podcasts and uh, other resources that we have available kind of just flow out from underneath that. Uh, But we've got a great network of guys that you're going to see throughout this episode. Um, we're always looking to expand and to grow and to be the best that we can be for God. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity uh, to be on this podcast. Appreciate Jordan, uh, inviting all of us on here hopefully maybe get him a little bit more uh, publicity and also likewise do the same for us. Um, But we're just grateful for the opportunity. Um, Podcasting is a great way to get the word of God out there. It's another form, another tool of evangelism. And it's something that we have tried to take advantage of. Um, Hopefully that it helps you in your study
0: and your walk with Christ. And then Michael kind of go and continue there and introduce yourself as well.
6: Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the podcast that I do is the far better podcast. And it's comes from Philippians chapter one, verse 23, where Paul says to be with the Lord is far better and so we seek to try to please god now in this life so that our eternity can be far better and this season i've kind of done something a little different i'm i'm telling the journey of my crohn's disease that i've had for almost 6 years now and i kind of detailed the the struggles and the difficulties i've faced through that but that being a christian those difficulties were not near as bad and as difficult as they could have been because i at least had a church family and god to lean upon and so uh that's that's kind of been a different season, and then season two, which I'm working on right now, is on suffering, and so I felt like I needed to kind of to prove that I had the right to talk about suffering, and so that's why I decided to do it the way that I did it. Um, but the the network is is something that I I first had an idea of something like this with you, Jordan. You know that from we were in school, and yeah. we didn't quite know what it would be. And uh, as paths continued to cross, and we met people like Chase and Drew and Houston. Uh, I've known the rest of these guys, including you basically all my life, but the scattered abroad network now with Caleb and I helping kind of heading that up with the East Hill elders overseeing it has, uh, really gone a lot farther than we expected in the first five months. Um, we've been incredibly blessed and God is definitely blessing this work. And we hope that we can continue to bless the kingdom by working in it for many more weeks and years to come.
0: That's right. And then we'll move on to drew and then we'll end up with Jameson here.
6: Thank you, Jordan. My name is Drew Suttles. I'm 29 years
7: old. I'm currently laboring with the congregation in Quitman, Georgia. That is just above the Florida line, so about as far south as you can get in the state of Georgia. That's where I'm at. Uh, But blessed to be working with these uh, great Christians here. Uh, Married to Brittany, we met at Fred Hardman University, Um, attended Memphis School of Preaching, as I believe all of us did on this this podcast today. Uh, Very thankful for MSLP, thankful for the relationships we're able to build. Uh, but I am the host of the Weathering the Storm podcast that airs every Thursday, along with uh, Brother Houston's podcast, The way uh, Two for one Thursday is what we've got going on there. Uh, but that podcast, Weathering the Storm, is just trying to help people going through difficult times, uh, these storms of life that we all face, trying to help people to look to God and get through them. And so I believe my goal is the same as everybody's goal here on the network, is to help people and to bring glory to God. And so just very thankful to be a part of it.
0: Yes, sir. And then we'll end with Jameson.
8: Yeah, my name is Jameson Stewart. Uh, I host the Asking God Why podcast on the Scattered Broad Network. Uh, it's a podcast really, it's just approaching the Bible, asking why. Asking, you know, wh- why is this this way? Uh, here this, this season, we're in the middle of uh, going through the book of Matthew and asking the question why every single episode having to do with why is Jesus the Christ? Um, As far as I suppose local work, I I preach at the West Hob Street Church of Christ in Athens, Alabama. been here a few months. Uh, My family and I are loving our time here. Uh, Just thankful to be able to work and serve uh, in these ways.
0: Yes, sir. And we're grateful to have all these guys on, and I'll get to kind of appreciating them at the end of the podcast. But I appreciate the work that you guys are doing, and I'm looking forward to uh, this podcast with you guys today. So let's kind of introduce what we're talking about today. Uh, our podcast is lessons I've learned as a minister. Lessons I've learned as a minister. Now, if you're listening to the podcast and you're not a minister, uh don't turn it off yet, because this this can be for you as well. There's certain things that uh that all of us can learn to do, and all of us can learn to do better. And uh it can also teach you how to become a better encourager to the minister where you uh where you worship as well. And so it's kind of a reciprocal thing and you can learn from this. Uh, And hopefully you can learn from us as well. So as we introduce this, uh, we're going to look at a couple points here. And here's our first one here. Uh, One of the lessons uh, I've learned as a minister, and I'll have the guys break this down as well, is to number one, don't preach at people, but preach to people. You know, that can kind of sound confusing just, you know, from the jump. But if you really think about it, don't preach at people, preach to people. You know, I'm I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 13, if you will, let's turn there. And again, if you're new to the podcast, you know, we love to open up the scriptures. uh, As you see on these other guys' podcasts, you know, we all open up the scriptures together um, and we use the scripture as our evidence um, and as our proof. So we want you guys to look this up as well and study uh, for yourself. So again, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus here describes, uh, you know, the sower and sowing the seed. And there's different types of hearts as he goes through the text. Now, what Jesus likes to do is when he goes through a text and some parables, what he likes to do is explain what happened or explain the parable after it's told. And so if you if you remember in verse four of chapter 13, Jesus sees that there's a wayside heart. Right. Then verse five, there's a stony heart. Verse three or verse seven, I'm sorry, there's the thorny heart. And then verse eight, then you've got the good ground and you got the soft heart. So what I want to do is, before I get to the guys here, is I want to read through the explanation of what these hearts are. And you'll start to understand why we, uh, why we talked about this point of don't preach at people, but preach to people. Now, notice the text here. Look at verse number 19 of chapter 13. The text says here, when anyone hears the word of God, talk about the wayside heart and understands it not, then cometh the wicked one and catches away that which is sown in his heart. This is which... That Receive the seed by the wayside, verse 20 through 21. This describes the stony heart. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word with anon and joy, receives it. Yet he has no root in himself but durst for a while. But when tribulation comes and persecution comes because of the word, by and by he's offended. So then, number three, now we've got the thorny heart in verse 22. He that received seed among the thorns is he that received the word. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word, and then he became unfruitful. And then finally, we have the good ground, verse 23. But he that receives seed unto the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it and also bears fruit and brings forth some hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. And so we, we talk about this because people, there's different types of hearts. And you've got all four of these in every congregation. You either have a wayside, a stony, thorny or a good heart. So as preachers, one lesson that I've learned is, is not my responsibility to change somebody's heart. I can't do that. None of us can, but it is our responsibility to do what the sower did and what did he do? He sowed the seed. And so I want to bring up this point here as preachers, we're seed sowers and we're not heart manipulators. So our job is to sow the seed. And so we want people to change but we want people to change through the word of God. So we're going to start here with Chase here. As you think about this point, Chase, of don't preach at people, preach to people. Where did you find in your study?
1: Yeah, a couple things. Uh, first of all, I think we as Christians and, and particularly as preachers need to understand that, yes, we're preaching to a crowd, quote unquote, uh, but we need to preach to ourselves as well. These sermons are just as applicable to ourselves as they are to the crowd that we're preaching to, whatever crowd that might be. And when we're going through and preparing our sermons, we need to make sure that first and foremost, we're letting the word dwell in us and uh, we're hiding it in our hearts so that we might not sin against God and and that we truly are giving it our best effort to to be living the message that we're preaching. So that's point number one. Point number two, kind of going back to what you said in uh, Matthew 13, the parable of the soil, the soils, we need to be careful not to stereotype and judge people's hearts. Mm -hmm. We need to understand that God does not judge according to the outward appearance, but he judges according to the heart. Well, we need to understand that we don't understand the hearts of men the same way that God does And we need to just preach and be an equal opportunity preacher, if you will. We need to just preach the word and we need to let God be the one who discerns the hearts and and determines, uh, you know, who is truly living faithfully or not. And, And what I mean by that is we don't need to assume people's fruit prematurely. Jesus said that we will know them by their fruits, Matthew 7, verse 16 Uh, But we got to preach the the message the same to all, and we will end up seeing their fruits come out. But one thing that I think we need to caution one another on is we don't need to just assume, oh, that guy, he's never going to listen to the message. I'm not even going to preach to him. And those people over there, I'm not going to preach to them because of this and that. No, we need to preach it to all. And then God is going to bring the increase from that.
0: Right. And and before we go to Cantrell again for the other guys, again, if you want to comment on what Chase said or anyone else said, again make sure you put it in the chat and kind of let this conversation flow here. But Cantrell, as you think about it, what do you what did you find in your study about don't preach at people but preaching to people? And going to unmute yourself here too, Cantrell.
2: There we go. Sorry about that. You know, when you look at the New Testament, especially the the gospel accounts with Jesus and him preaching and him teaching the individuals. One of the things that really stand out to me uh, was his ability to relate to people. Uh, Again, Matthew chapter 13, that entire section of scripture, uh, all the parables here, Jesus uh, preaching and speaking to a group of farmers. And he says, the sower uh, goes forth to sow. So, you know, one of the things I always try to do is always like to say a context plus application equals relevance. And very often when I hear sermons, and I'm sure all of us have heard it, you know, throughout the Brotherhood, listening to many other guys, it's almost as if preaching has become more of a popularity contest than about the people. Uh, It's not about us. You know, we're just the vessels. The means by which God uses to get the message across. And, And we have to really keep in mind that, you know, people on an everyday basis have already been beaten down at work. They've already been beaten down by their loved ones, their family members, and, you know, as as we're preaching the gospel, though we do have to be stern, though we have to preach it the way Christ will preach it, Ephesians 4, verse 15, we also have to do that in a manner of love, and so it has to be a good balance, and I always try to um, look at myself, look at the Bible to chase it, you know, preaching to myself first, you know, letting the word of God, James 1, verse 25, talk to me first, and and it's really a beautiful thing you know once you're able to study once you're able to really look at the word of god from all different angles all different perspectives it helps us be able to relate to people more versus just beating
0: them down with the word of god right and let's go to uh Daniel you said he had a comment on this too
3: yeah so i'm listening and and i'm i'm literally 20 years old so i'm i'm here learning from y'all guys i'm i'm loving this but i was just listening and it I think a lot of what we're going to be talking about today really goes back to the concept of humility, like looking at kind of the, the show sheet, I guess of of kind of the places we're going and listening to what they were talking about. I think so much of it goes back to us not, making more of ourselves, but making more of God. Like yeah. John 3.30 says, he must increase, I must decrease. Philippians 2.3, we're supposed to count everybody else more significant than ourselves. And so I think that that goes back to like Mark 12.37, I think it is, where, Jesus, or, where, where Mark records that the common people heard Jesus gladly. Now, why was that? Because even though if any human in the history of humanity had a right to think of himself and act, like he was higher than other people because he was, but if anybody had a right to Lord that over people on a daily basis, just normal people, it was Jesus, right? But for him or in, in his life, he carried himself in such a way that the common people heard him gladly. Now we, at least I'll speak for myself. I'm definitely like a common person, right? Like there's nothing special about us, but I think sometimes as preachers, it, we can get caught in this trap of pride where because we're in front of people and we're leading people, we start to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, right? Like Paul said, when we have to remember that we're just common people who an uncommon person died to save, like that's, that's who we are. And, and given that, when we think like that, we're not going to be preaching at people or we're going to be preaching to them because we are one of them. We're, right. we're going to be talking through things like the gospel with them saying like, hey, I needed this. I need this on a daily basis. Without it, I'm nothing. And without it, you're nothing. But there's somebody who who's changed everything about that. And so kind of along those lines, just one last verse I want to read is Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. So they're singing a new song. And they say, you are worthy, talking about Jesus, he's worthy to take the scroll to open its seals for Jesus was slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every t- tribe and tongue and people and nation. Every tribe and tongue, people and nation. So like Paul said in Colossians 3.11 and in Galatians 3.28, in here, like in the church, in Christ, there is no Jew and Greek, bond or free, slave and, and, and uh, free, right? The, no male and female. So we are all equal in in the most ultimate sense, because we all need a savior. We're not the savior. So if we remember that it's going to change how we interact with people.
0: And before we, uh, Jameson, you had a point before we get to you, Houston, I wanted to mention what you mentioned, Daniel, talking about pride. One of the most humbling experiences that I've gotten here at the congregation is uh, one of the elders came up and they, they said, you know, you're a sheep too. And so remember, you know, we can't, unless you have the office of an elder as you're preaching, if you're preaching, remember, we're not, we're not elders, and so we're still to be instructed. We're still to be led. We're still to be encouraged by uh, our eldership. Yes, we have authority through the Word of God, but at the same time, we still are to submit as well, and we're still sheep, and so I think it's a beautiful thing to see don't have that pridefulness about you. Jameson, and then we'll go to you, Houston.
8: Yeah, I was just going to add on to what's been said. Uh, over in 2 Timothy 4, a passage I know we're all familiar with, Preach the Word, 2 Timothy 4, 2. Uh, it's interesting, before Paul tells Timothy to do that in 2 Timothy 4.2, uh, we have 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, and he talks about that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's, it is the Word of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul tells Timothy, Timothy is the man of God, you have to apply the word of God to yourself. And then the command to preach the word comes after applying God's word to yourself, after using God's word for reproof, for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in your own life. Um, and that's something that's preachers, something that I have tried to work on and something that, that I constantly try to grow in is making sure that whatever I'm studying, Bible class, sermon, Uh, reading, whatever it is, this has to be applied to me first. There's no such thing as, you know, this is my sermon prep. This is my personal study. Really? It's all, it all had better be personal study.
0: Right. And what we're doing here, we're actually teaching our college and our youth how to outline and study for themselves. And so I told them, look, when you see us up there, that's only the tip of the iceberg. You know, you just see the 30 minutes. But at the same time, you don't see when we're studying in the office, reading the text 50 times and going through the Greek and the Hebrew, and then and you guys can attest to this and speak to this as well. When you read a text and you see that you're not doing it, you got to repent there while you're studying. I can't preach this because I'm not doing it. So now you got to repent, and then you got to do all this process before you get up and preach. And that's where this humility aspect comes from. Uh, Let's go with you, Houston. What did you see on this topic as you studied this?
4: Okay, so with the with the, the idea don't preach at people um preach to them of course I went to Matthew 13 as well but and and I was thinking about like like throwing a ball and that's kind of the idea in Matthew 13 because it, it, Jesus gives the parable of the sower and he's going out and he's casting the seed he's sowing the seed if you've ever sowed seed by hand uh, you have to cast it out you throw it out and and rolling over into the idea of of like throwing a ball it's the same way so if you are throwing a ball to somebody or you're throwing a ball at somebody those two are two totally different two totally different things like in football you you throw the ball to your uh, through to, to your teammate uh, same way with basketball but let's take it to dodgeball if i'm going to throw the ball to somebody i'm going to be throwing it to my my teammate so that he can use it but if i'm throwing the ball at somebody i'm throwing it at my opponent and it reminded me of whenever i was uh, seeking support to go to the memphis school of preaching uh i went to a congregation and there was one elder they ended up supporting me but he sat me down he actually preached for them and and he told me he said you know don't beat them over the head with a bible and and at first i was like well i mean of course i'm not going to do that but also that kind of seems a little soft i mean i have to i have to get the (laughs) word of god into their heads you know i'm not going to of course beat them over the head with the bible but then the more that i started preaching the more i realized what he actually meant because people aren't ready for certain things now two-thirds of the gospel is going to be negative we read about that in jeremiah and also um uh, uh, first Timothy, uh, second Timothy four, two as well, but with doing the, we, it's, it's a fine line that we have to, that we have to draw there in, in the negative side of things. And like Daniel said, we have to put ourselves in, in their shoes before we can preach to them about certain things.
0: Yeah. that's good. And let's move on to Caleb here. What did you find in your study as you went through this, Caleb? <laughs> yeah it's interesting,
5: you know you brought up Matthew thirteen. I think about the sower there, the sower he didn 't pick and choose which soil to sow to, did he. He mm-hmm. simply sowed to every single soil that was there and that was available, and okay. so I know that in our lives um in the congregations where we labor, um, sometimes there are things that happen um, and you 're like what what are you doing? Why did you just do that and sometimes It kind of feels you like I just kind of want to get up there and say something about it, you know. Um, But, you know, that obviously we know, and this has been said before already um, to the, the Gospels, obviously for every single person. And we have to look at this with the idea that every single person can grow and can get better and can improve, not just one particular individual, what we're seeing in this one particular instance. And that also includes, like has been said by, and Daniel brought it up first, the idea of ourselves. And it goes along with that humility and how and to squash that pride um, that we have. And so the gospel is for all. So every single person out there, and like you mentioned, our job is to sow the seed, not to make the people believe it and to do it and to o- obey all we can do is sow that seed. And then in, in turn, make sure that we're applying it to our lives to make sure that we're being the best that we can be. And hopefully through that, we can encourage others to, to do the same. That's right. And, and Chase,
0: you had, you had a comment on that, on what Caleb said?
1: Yeah. Uh, something Caleb said triggered a thought, uh, a memory back when I was preaching in Louisiana where I, where I uh, grew up. One time I had a guy who passed by and saw on our sign, that we offered Bible studies, and he was a homeless guy, and uh, he called us up and said he wanted to have a Bible study, and thinking about how the gospel is for all, that really humbled me as a minister in the sense that, to be honest with you, if I'm just being perfectly honest, I'm thinking, okay, homeless guy, I don't, you know, will he be dangerous? I'm thinking about all these scenarios going through my mind, but I called him back, and I, we took some precautions. I had me and another guy uh, meet with him, you know, just just in case there was, you know, a, a dangerous situation that perhaps could come up. But um, so we were careful, but it turned out to be a really good study. Unfortunately, the, the guy didn't obey the gospel, uh, but we still profited from studying with him for several weeks. But I bring all that up just to say this. What would Jesus have done in a situation like that? he would have preached to, to the homeless man. And we need to remember, you know, because I think we're all middle class in society. We need to remember Jesus preached to the poor and he cared about them. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So uh, just one of the things that Caleb had had said about not, uh, not showing... Um, prejudice about who we preach to uh, just kind of triggered that thought in my mind. So I just wanted to bring that up. That's
0: really, that's a really good point. And Michael, let's move down to you here.
6: Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of ways I could take this. I mean, I could, I could point out that I think the problem we have in the first place with being looked at as preaching at people is because we're not showing ourselves to be the way that Jesus did. Jesus gave hard truths on many occasions, John chapter six, many people walked with him no more because of the teaching that he had provided, and yet in the same you know line of, of thinking, Jesus also would turn around and heal people of their infirmities and, and feed the poor and feed those that needed to be fed and taking care of those that had difficulties in their lives. And it reminds me, though, that Jesus also gave hard truths. And I think today part of the problem we have in the church is we're very quick to give hard truths and not remember the compassion side of this as well. Mm-hmm. That yes, members struggle. They do have sins, and sometimes those sins need to be corrected. And elders will even say, "You need to be you need to be severely firm in your handling of this topic." And we will then get up and say, "We asked you to preach on this, and we'll support what you have said, but don't don't hold back." But at the same time, if I'm not there when they're d- dealing with difficulties in their own lives, they're only going to ever see me as preaching at them, right. and so you look at Galatians chapter six, we have the first several verses talking about bearing burdens of people who are overtaken in a fault. And of course, most of preaching is about getting our lives right or getting our lives the way that God wants them to be. And so when we talk about people being overtaken in a fault, we're told to do that with uh, first to be spiritual. So I need to be a spiritual person. I need to do it in the spirit of gentleness. I've, I've talked about this before when I've taught this book at Somerville. Uh, I watch a lot of Criminal Minds, Hawaii Five O, you know those MacGyver, those types of shows. There's a bomb. There's something happening, and I've never seen everybody say, "All right, everybody, aim, fire," and start shooting at the bomb. There's this 20 minute scene of the the little robot going and defusing the bomb, and everybody's being so careful and and so you know intent on what they're going to do. There's no careless action used, and that's the kind of mentality I get here of doing it with a spirit of gentleness, is being so careful. But then in verse seven, we often take this verse out of its context where it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that will he also reap. And nine times out of 10, we take that verse and we apply it to, if you reap sin, don't be surprised if you've sown sin. But in the context of what's being talked about here is if you don't bear people's burdens, don't be shocked when you need them if they're not there for you. And so as ministers, yes, I have to get up and I have to preach and I have the uh, responsibility to be ready to preach the word of God. But if I don't ever show myself to be someone who loves the people, it won't matter how correct I am. I'm not going to everybody. I'm I'm different. I'm fine with someone being kind of critical and harsh to me. My doctor is very straightforward and is to be honest, kind of a jerk at times, but that's what I need. My wife came with me to the doctor one day and she goes, why do you like this guy? He's kind of rude. And I said, he tells me like it is and that's what I like. But not everybody can handle that, and that's the same with ministry. I'm trying to diagnose the sinful problems in a congregation or in the world itself, and I need to be able to do that with a good bedside manner.
0: Yeah, and that's and I remember uh, Brother Mosier. And I didn't get it when he said this in school, but I get it now. He said, especially if you uh, in ministry, if you find yourself working with someone, or if you find yourself uh, being closer to an older preacher in the area. He said, in some situations, because you're so young, you're going to want to do something right now. You know, you're going to want to act. You're going to want to do something. All right, we got to do this. We got to do that. But he says, sometimes you're going to see compromise as, oh, well, they just given up or, well, they just don't care. Well, compromise is wisdom at work. See, we think they're compromising, but they're actually showing wisdom. And like you mentioned, they're using tact and they know how to work with people. And so that's that's another thing that that we're going to have to keep learning as we grow and and that I'm learning to is is a tough lesson to learn uh but you know you got to learn and you got to go through that. Uh Daniel, we'll get to you and then uh we'll get to Drew here. Uh, but Drew, um what was your point here for this? Then Daniel we'll get to your comment.
7: Oh, you know, I'm just hearing what everybody's saying, especially that brother Moser, a lot of things we learned in school it didn't hit us until we actually got into the work. Yeah. Uh and Father's Day of this year, so I guess next month will be Mark of three years of being in full-time local work. i um, thankful for that. Uh, but, you know, my thoughts that come to this is, is what Cantrell said. Brother Cantrell nailed it. Context plus application equals relevance. Mm. You know, it's one thing to preach the word, and, and like Michael said, that was exactly what we have to do and be prepared to do that. It is the gospel that's God's power to salvation, Romans one sixteen. It's not my opinion. It's not my, you know, emotional response. It's the gospel. God's word is what's going to prick the heart and change lives. That's what converts the soul. But I'm about to read Nehemiah 8:8, 8, 8, uh, and then I can come back and, and share some thoughts later if that's okay, and then we can turn it over to Daniel. But Nehemiah 8 and verse 8, I going to Old Testament on this one. They read distinctly from the book and the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. If we're not doing that as preachers, then we're, we're not doing what God would have us to do. Right. You can tell them everything, but if you don't explain it in a way they can understand, what good will it really do?
0: That's good. Then Daniel, what was your comment here?
3: Okay, so just really quick. So kind of going off of what Michael was saying and also what Drew was saying, I think part of, of why it's it's tempting sometimes to preach at people instead of to people is because sometimes we focus on the wrong things in in our preaching. Like, the main job of preaching isn't to tell people how to act like that's not the main point of preaching. If you, if you look at Paul's letters, especially the most evident ones are like Romans and and Ephesians. So Romans one through 11 and Ephesians one through three, Paul glorifies God. He exalts God. That's his point. And like the uh, overriding point, especially evident in Ephesians, he's glorifying God. He's saying, God is so big. God is so great. And then the application from that is because he is like that, you be like this. I think sometimes we skip that mm. part. Like the, we skip the first part. We, skip the part, we do the prayers, we do this in our singing, we do this in our preaching. We skip that part, which should be the main part of our preaching, which is to glorify him. And then from that truth, from the reality that God is the, the greatest conceivable being, like Anselm said so long ago, then we make application. From that to our lives and say, because of that, let's act like this. So I think at least part of it is, is giving people the motivation to be like, Hey, this is, this is why I'm not just telling you this because you know, I think you should act like this. I'm telling this because God is so great. And he's told us to act like this in view of that.
0: And, and even with God, be holy for I'm holy. And you missed that's exactly what Paul said in, in Romans and Ephesians, Josh, you had your hand up on a point here?
2: Yeah, I did. Just kind of going off with what Daniel said, Daniel triggered a thought for me. Um, drew as well, you know, when one of the things I really try to emphasize, and I'm sure all of us do this in some way, you know, with preaching is I like to say the gospel does three things. It saves us, it sustains us, and then ultimately it shapes us. And going off um, Daniel's point there about that shaping, about that molding, about that living after Jesus it's difficult to do that if I'm always preaching at people, you know, people, right. again, they're already having a difficult time and this, that and the other. So um, just 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 want to share that point there.
0: And I love and we'll get back to your application here, Drew. But where you said the gospel save and it sustains and it shapes one thing. And and just to be honest, I know you, you guys uh, have studied as well after school. But as I've continued to study the gospel and preach the gospel and help other people to to learn about the gospel. I've realized my own growth and where I came from and the guy that I should have been in the past. And so when you talk about the gospel and you're really trying to apply what it says, just to be honest, the guy that I am now, I wish I was this dude six years ago, you know, but you see the progress and if you let the gospel work on your heart and that's what, that's what preaching is. We allow the heart to be worked on. And so you have to want to apply what is being said. And so I I heard a a brother tell me one time that the gospel, it's like, we're like a water trough. We're not spiritual IVs for people. So I need a quick hit of spirituality. I need a quick hit. I need need this to survive this week. But then Monday through Saturday, you're killing yourself until the next Sunday. But what we are is we're like spiritual water troughs. So yeah, we'll present the gospel, but I can't make you come get it. But guess what I'm going to do next Sunday too? I'll still present it. Wednesday, I'll still do it too. So whether you want it or don't want it, I'm going to apply it to me, but I don't, you don't have to, but my job is to present that. So Michael, and then we'll get to your application here, Drew.
6: Yeah. The, the, the thing that you just said really hits the nail on the head. It's so hard to be a preacher in 2021. And it's not, not that it wasn't hard before, but so many people have that mentality of I'll go get my Sunday fix and I'll be good till next week. Yep. And Unfortunately, in, in certain situations, we, we see that on Sunday morning only people or Sunday evening only people. We see that on you know, people who don't show up for the activities as far as the, the spiritual activities, but they'll be at the fish fry. They'll be at the, uh, the local get-together that we're going to go do or we're going to go on a trip to Gatlinburg or something like that. But they won't be at the gospel meeting and all these other things because to them, sermons are only for Sunday. And right. worship right. is right. only for Sunday, and it's not—it's not a part of our living. And that idea of I'm just going to get my fix and I'll be good. Uh, this medication is a daily medication. It's not—you know—I take medication right now for my Crohn's disease, where I take it once every eight weeks, and that medicine lasts me for eight weeks. But we're told from the great physician in Acts chapter twenty and verse seven, Acts chapter 2, 42 through forty-seven, on the first day of the week. We are to go and be there. But then Acts 2.42 tells us, 42 through 47, daily in the temple. And someone came up to me once at Somerville, and they said, why do we have to worship on Wednesday? They didn't do that in the first century, and I said, you know what? I'm with you. Let's do it exactly like the first century church did it. And I said, read Acts chapter two, 42 through 47, and they read it, and they said, I think I want to change my answer. And I said, I figured you would. They went daily. It was an everyday curry. Oh, he froze. Wow,
0: you're talking about daily. That was yeah. You talk about that.
3: Hey, I was just gonna tone to let me know when that Gallenberg trip happens. Like,
6: where did I go?
0: Oh, now you're good.
6: I'm back. We just don't know, man. But
0: you were talking about curry for a while. We just wanted to tell people we can remix stuff, so it's all good.
6: Where am I? at? There we go. Hold on. There, there I am. you
0: go. I'm keeping that in too. That's what
6: good. what was the last thing you heard. I know <laughs> what I <was> saying. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about occurring. Oh, man, let me just sum it up this way. It was good. If people's mentality <laughs> in church is only to get a fix once a week, they will never be like the first century church. That's right. And that's for we all- I'm done.
0: Drew, finish your point, Drew, with your application, and then Caleb will go up to you. In Mark 12 and verse 37,
7: it says that the common people heard him gladly. And keep in in mind that that's the Son of God. You know, that's the one who took on flesh. That's the one who created this world, preached in such a way where the common people heard him gladly. The question is, can the same be said of us when we preach the gospel?
0: Mm, That's good. Caleb?
5: Yeah, you know, I think so many people look at Christianity as something like you can just like pull out of your closet and throw on on Sunday mornings and Wednesdays. And then when you get back, you can take it off and hang it back up and go about living your life. But right. we all know Christianity is a lifestyle. It is something that affects our, every single choice, every every single daily choices that we make, um, you know, regardless of what's going on in our lives. And Drew, you know, um, you know, coach Estes said this all the time, uh, but he would say always, and this goes back to what Michael was saying, turn your have tos into what? And to get right? yeah, to, get it's an opportunity that we get to go to worship. It's not something that we have to do. I mean, obviously it is something that we have to do, but it's an, we also need to look at it with the with the idea and vision that this is an, what an opportunity we get to, what a privilege, what an honor it is to get together with Christians, the people that we should be more overjoyed to see than anybody else in the world. And to be able to worship God, what an opportunity that is. And so it's just a, it's a change in the way that we see it. And it's a change in our mm. mindset. And until we change our minds, um, things like that are never going to change.
0: Man, before Chase, you had a comment, but well, before we get there, I, I had a college study last week with our, with our guys here. And, uh, one of them asked a question about, you know, how they can get better, how they can excel through the word of God. And I said, look, you have to put in your mind that you're trying to be spiritually great and not, not in the sense of wanting people to see your greatness, but in terms of I'm going to do everything the scripture says. So no matter if it's just me, no matter if no one else wants to follow it like this, you have to put in your mind, I'm trying to get somewhere and be spiritually great. But that's that's a that's a mindset that people have to want. But how can you want that mindset if you're not in the Word, Romans ten seventeen right? And so Chase, Chase let's get to your comment here.
1: Yeah, I just want to make a quick comment about what Drew said a couple of moments ago. About Mark uh, 12, verse 37, the common people heard him gladly. And he talked about how we need to make sure we understand that as it pertains to our preaching. We don't need to, I mean, yeah, really deep and philosophical quote unquote sermons. Yeah, they might grasp us from time to time and really help us uh, to think more deeply. But at the same time, uh, I think one of the best principles that we can, uh, that we can, uh, use in our, our preaching is the kiss principle. Keep it simple, stupid, right? They need to be able to understand it. And so uh, when he said the common people heard him gladly, I think that that is a very important point as it pertains to, okay, how are we going to develop these sermons? Let's, you know, one of the best compliments someone can give us is you really helped me understand that. Hmm. And I think of Acts four, verse 13, It said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, and they marveled. So these weren't people who went to Harvard. No, they were just common people, and yet they had the power of the gospel in their hands, and they preached the word, and we as gospel preachers can do the same.
0: Right, and there's one more quick point I wanted to hit on this first one before we move on, and you guys can comment on this as well, but this is one of my failures that that I started early. In preaching. But one of my failures was and I remember I forgot which instructor was it brother Liddell or brother Bland, but they said, don't preach angry or don't preach with the wrong motivation. See, I that was one of my failures when I started, because, you know, what happens is sometimes when we know about certain situations in a congregation, what we want to do is just hurry up and get in the pulpit and solve it that next Sunday. Um, but we can't, as preachers, we can't use the pulpit as a weapon. The pulpit's not a weapon. What the pulpit is, it's an opportunity to preach the gospel. And so don't preach angry or with the wrong motivation. And so like, for example, so if Daniel, uh, was dealing with like hypocrisy and, and as a, as the preacher, you know, we know certain things that go on in the congregation. So that next Sunday, or right, I'm a, I'm a preacher on hypocrisy. Daniel is about to feel my wrath. <laughs> Right. And so we then we go that then we do that on Sunday. So then what happens is we think we're doing right because we're doing it in the pulpit. And so it goes back to what Michael said. So I could be saying everything right. But what if I have the wrong motivation? And then what happens is most times when I did this earlier on, I ended up looking real salty because that Sunday morning, the person that you want to be there, that Sunday is not there. So now you're preaching right. up. I missed that Sunday. Now, <laughs> now you're preaching up here with the wrong attitude. So now it's like, all right, so now I realize, okay, that was wrong. But what we have to do, according to 1 Timothy 4, is instead of looking to snipe people, right, and really look at ourselves, what we need to do is take heed to thyself and the doctrine, 1 Timothy 4. And so there's been times where I've been given a topic, and I'm not ready for that. So I'll ask the lectureship committee, I'll ask the elders, hey, look, can I switch that? I'm not ready to preach that yet, because I, I know I won't have the right motivation. And as a preacher, you have to be honest. Am I preaching this for God's glory or am I preaching this so Daniel can hear and change? See, we can't preach that way. We have to preach through the word of God. Daniel, since you're dealing with this, let's, let's have you talk. <laughs> you had your hand up.
3: Okay. So this is kind of, uh, kind of going back to what what we were talking about just before, or maybe I think it was something that you also touched on at the beginning, but, some guy named EF Schumacher. I have no idea who he is, but I just found this quote the other day. He said.
0: <laughs> Great research there. And now Daniel froze. <laughs> he said what? <laughs> he was, he was just getting on Michael for freezing too. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Now you're Oh, good. Did I freeze? Now you're good. <laughs> what was the last thing y'all heard? The dude that you are no quoting from.
3: Oh yeah, Schumacher, bro. Uh, he said, "Any intelligent fool can make things bigger, more complex, and more violent. It takes a touch of genius and a lot of courage to move in the opposite direction." So, so many times, uh, like I hear sermons, you know, not at Maplevale. So, you know, anybody who's preaching Maplevale, you're not you're not including this. But I've heard a lot of sermons in my life, and a whole lot of them have been focused around making things bigger and more complex and more violent as mr schumacher says in this quote but our job as preachers like people like like jordan and and um you know i'm not really seeing much else until no uh, the other guys on this on this podcast With are respect <laughs> no i'm just playing but the other guys on this podcast are really smart guys right and so sometimes that that means when we're thinking about like the deeper things of scripture we get up in the pulpit and we we make it bigger and more complex and more violent when like drew was saying the common people heard Jesus gladly because he was one of them. He talked like one of them and he communicated the gospel to them in that sense. So the Richard Feynman learning technique is is pretty famous. uh, And I think we can apply some of the same things to how we, how we preach. So his learning technique was, it was a four step process. So the first step was to pretend to teach like some, some concept you're wanting to learn, pretend like you're trying to teach it to somebody in sixth grade. All right. So that's the first step. The second step is by doing that, identify gaps in your explanation. So then you go back and try to understand it better. Because if you've ever like, I know I do this like all the time, I'll think I understand something. And then I try to explain it to somebody who's like coming, who's new to the concept. Right. And so they don't have like, they haven't studied it, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, I, I don't understand this because I can't explain it to you. Like if I can't explain it to like a fifth grader, do I really understand a concept? So like the the first two steps in this this learning process are pretend to teach it to a sixth grader and then identify gaps and then organize and simplify and then transmit. So spread it to other people. So basically applying the quote and that learning process to our preaching, like if we can't communicate in such a way, communicate the, the ideas of the gospel in such a way that people, the common people can understand, then we don't truly understand it ourselves. So that's kind of what I was, you know, kind of what I was thinking, just instead of making ourselves look smart, like let's make Jesus look big, you know, like not that he needs our help in doing that, but
0: that's right. And one, one lesson I've learned is when you get out of the pulpit, do more people know about you or do more people know about Christ? So when you get down, do I know your whole life story or did you expound Christ better to me? So that's a goal. But sometimes, you know, we make and there's nothing wrong with application and using other things as set aside stories. But do I know more about you than you than about Christ during that 45 minutes to an hour? And so we have to present Jesus. So quickly, let's go to uh, Drew and then Houston and then Mike. All
7: right. Well, I know when you get a lot of preachers together, we can go on. We could probably talk this one point all day long. Bro, this I is just good. had a quick a quick thought on, on what you're talking about with the attitude in Matthew 23. You have one of the, I don't know, the harshest moments in the ministry of Jesus when he's delivering the woes to the scribes and Pharisees. Mm. Over and over again, he calls them hypocrites. And you go through an underline or highlight that in your Bible, and it just it bleeds through. But then that chapter, the way it ends, is Jesus crying over those same people. So here's what I would say. Mm. Don't deliver woes to people if you're not willing to cry over them. Mm. Let's make sure we really care about the souls of men and women when
0: we preach the gospel preach to yeah. them not at them. that's
4: good houston yeah i was gonna uh, build on to what daniel said when he was talking about we we have a tendency as preachers to make things too too heady or too brainy too complex and i always look at the sermon on the mount as the model sermon And when you read through that, if you were to just take it and you were to read Matthew chapter five, the beginning to the close of Matthew chapter seven, it takes maybe 22 minutes tops in order to get through that. And you can see all of the topics which Jesus hit in that 22 minutes and really made the point. And so and sometimes though, it may take a preacher, what it took Jesus one sentence to say it may take me 30 minutes to say. In fact, I, when I preached through the sermon on the Mount, it took me like six months to do that, but it's because I I'm not God, but I, my job is to make things as simple as I can. And if it does take me an excessive amount of time to discuss a certain topic, maybe it's because I'm trying to work through it myself, but maybe it's because I don't fully understand it when I'm getting up to preach. And so in order for us to make things simple, we have to know the word
6: of God and we have to have applied it to ourselves first.
0: That's good. And Michael?
6: Yeah. One thing we were talking about getting into the pulpit with like man on a mission type preaching. And I have, I'm usually a very fast talker when I preach. And most people, when they first listen to me preach, say, slow down. <laughs> when I get up to preach those types of sermons, it <clears throat> takes how long it takes because I am I am trying to say every sentence as slowly and as easily as possible because I don't want to get worked up because I care about the people and get to that point. So I just had to preach a sermon very much along these lines a couple of weeks ago, and it was about 17 minutes longer than my normal time would be. I, I was 47 minutes by the time it was done. But Many people communicated to me that they knew that while that was a difficult sermon, that I showed that I loved the people while doing it. And I think part of that is I slowed down and was very intentional with everything that I said so that I didn't fall into that trap because that's preaching at people. Knowing that they're in problems, knowing that they have sins to just get up and say, well, I'm going to teach Daniel a thing or two today is uh, the exact wrong thing to have on your mind when you get up to preach. And you almost have to not look at them when you know that they're in the audience to, to make sure it doesn't happen.
0: And that, hey, did I do
3: something to you guys? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yes, you did. Your voice sounds twelve. Um, <laughs> hey. But yeah, so I think, so the most important walk is when you're right there at the front row before you walk up to preach, because you're praying before the, before the song you go up to. Then you're saying, well, Lord, help me get through this. Help me to, to preach the right way. Help me to have the right attitude. You have to have your right mindset before you even get up there. So you know how you sit in the front and you take a quick snapshot of who's of who's there. You got to sit there and you got to say, okay, I'm ready. I've studied. I prayed over it. I've repented if I've done this. Now let's present what the word says. So that that kind of walk up to the pulpit, that's an important time for preachers too. Caleb and then Houston.
5: Yeah, Ephesians 4.15, um, what did Paul say? Speak the truth, what? How in love, in love, right? If you have that love, if you don't have that care and concern for the people, what is it they always say? People don't really care how much you know until they what know how much you care. And it, it, as cliche as that is, it rings true. If you don't have that love and care and concern for the people, if you don't build those relationships with one another, then it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't really matter what you say because they're not going to hear you, they're not going to listen to you. Um, and so you have to do it in the right way. You, you can speak the truth all day long until you're blue in the face, but until you don't have, until you have that love and that relationship with the
0: people, it really doesn't do a whole lot of good. That's good. Houston? I just forgot
4: to lower my hand.
0: Okay. <laughs> so moving on, moving on to our second point here, guys. Uh, as we talk about this and, and lessons that we've learned, um, another big one is teach who comes. You know, so many times we can get discouraged. Um, you know, no matter what form of ministry, or whether it's youth ministry or the pulpit or associate, whatever position you find yourself in, you know, you want people to come hear the word. You want people to come be encouraged and have their faith strengthened. And you do this work and you study and you've studied and then you show up at seven o'clock and then two people show up. But then like Michael said, so now when I have a fish fry or when we go to the Cardinals game, now we have 100 people and now we got to rent three buses so that everybody can go to the game. See, but the thing is, one lesson, you got to teach who comes. And with teaching who comes, have that same energy as if 200 people were there. So don't just you know, be lax with those two people. Focus on them. I'm reminded of uh, Luke chapter 18 uh, verses 15 through 17, where Jesus uh, was talking about the little children and and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, no, let them come. And so if it's one person, if it's two people focus your energy on who comes, because those are the people that decided they wanted to grow in faith. So if they want it, give it to them instead of looking so sad that so many people didn't show up. And so don't be too concerned with numbers Or again, like the first point, we're concerned with the heart. So if you want to listen, we'll give it to you. And so we'll start with Caleb here. So as you study this in in, uh, point number two, talking about teaching who comes, what did you find here?
5: Yeah, you know, and of course, Daniel and Jordan, you know, I know you guys work a lot with youth. And that's my main focus. And anybody else here who works a lot with with the youth and congregation, youth ministry is tough because – you can um, like you said you can put so much time and and effort and energy into the biblical aspect of it and you only get like you said two people Um, but then you plan everything else and you get you know 200 like you said so it can be tough but the whole point is even if just that one person comes they still need to hear the gospel regardless of who they are and what stage of life they're at Um, because our job ultimately is to teach and we we've we've said that over and over again already. Second Timothy 4 was brought up earlier. We're supposed to preach the word. John 4, verse 35, the fields are wide and harvest. The time is now to go out and preach the gospel. We need to make sure that we're doing all that we can to do that. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is the great commission given to Je- given by Jesus to us. Um, and so we, we have to be willing to, you know, put aside um, differences, biases, whatever there might be that holds us back from teaching the gospel, because when it comes down to it, you know, before we were Christians, we were all sinners in need of being saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And likewise, so is every single person who hasn't been baptized yet. Um, and so regardless of how many there are, and like you said, we focus so much on numbers and numbers isn't everything. Um, it, it's, it's a matter of, of being able to effectively teach the gospel and encourage those around us to do all that we can to put them in a better position today than they were the day before. Um, and, and if we're studying for doing all that we can um uh to 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 study the gospel then we're gonna be able to help indiv- individuals like that regardless of who it is and how many show up.
0: Yeah. Chase, you had something on this?
1: Yeah, Caleb, uh do you remember how many on an average Sunday would attend when you and I would go preach at Antioch in uh Halls, like, know, like
5: Fifteen people. Yeah, maybe, I preach at Antioch too.
1: Yeah, yeah. About 15 or 20 when we when we were I there then five or right? <laughs> uh, those souls, you know they mattered and, and we gave it our all when we preached to them. Right. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you've got 15 or 20 or, or you've got 1,500. All those souls deserve our attention and, and our best efforts in, in preaching the gospel to them.
0: That's good. Houston?
4: Do I have my hand raised?
0: No. You ready? For, you ready to go on your point?
4: Oh, yeah, man. Sorry about that yeah i think I think Caleb kind of hit on this too, but like while we do need to teach who comes and jesus certainly did that and he was for to do that, we also cannot forget to 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 go and teach as well um jesus whenever uh, he 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 was of course matthew chapter thirteen there he was and there was multitudes coming to him. And whenever he witnessed that they were there and and that they were wanting to learn of him, he took that opportunity to teach to them. But even those who aren't seeking out the gospel necessarily, even those who may not know that they want the gospel, everybody still needs the gospel. And so, even those who are inside the building, we also have to encourage them to, to go out and, and to, to teach the gospel as well. We can't forget that part.
0: That's good. And then, uh, Jameson, what do you have on this point with those that teaching who comes?
4: Yeah, I was just thinking,
8: you know, it, it, this requires us, you know, whoever's there, it requires us to get to know people, um, get to know what they're struggling with, uh, get to know you know what areas in your life are you needing to grow or are you wanting to grow um, how can we comfort them you know there's people that are coming who have lost loved ones who have family members that are dealing with sicknesses week in and week out um you know is there sin in their life that they need to be convicted of um so in teaching who comes we've got to get to know folks um and we have to know areas in their life where we can help them, where we can strengthen them, uh, where we can build them up. And also I was thinking when it comes to teaching who's there, teaching who's uh, there, wh- wherever you may be, is lean on your elders. Lean on the shepherds where you are. This is something that I've uh, come to appreciate and I have tried very hard to do. Um, You know, uh, several times since, you know, in this relatively short time, I guess I've been preaching full time. uh, You know, I've had my elders, wherever I am, say, you know, can you preach a sermon on so-and-so or on this topic or on this subject? Um, The elders know the flock better than we do. Yeah. Um, We need to trust their guidance in what to teach to those who are there. And in thinking about those who aren't there, I mean, I'm sure on any given week, there are people who are not there who should be there. Um, We're not naive. But I've also come to understand there are some people who would be there, but for whatever reason, uh, they can't be. And sometimes we look out, we're preaching on a Sunday night. Or maybe on a Wednesday night, or whatever that time is for where you are, and we tend to throw into you know we see the smaller crowd, and everyone goes into this group of you know well, all these folks that aren't here should be here, and when I've really stopped and thought about it, it's like, well, I'm sure there's some of those folks who should have been there in reality, uh there's also a decent sized group of those people who would love to be there, but maybe. Maybe their health only, I mean, getting out that morning was all they could do, and it wiped them out for the rest of the day. Maybe they took off of work. They rearranged their work schedule to be there that morning, and they had to go back to work that evening. There's plenty of those people as well. And I, I think about First Corinthians 13, which says, uh, Paul, speaking of love, love continues to think no evil love always thinks the best first. So if I get up in the pulpit and I'm immediately discouraged because of the smaller crowd, then it's very possible that my love is not what it should be Mm -hmm. because I may be assuming all these folks should have been here. Yeah, It's possible that a lot of those folks would have loved to have been there. Um, So we need to continue to think the best of people first
6: because that's what love does.
0: That's good, uh, Mike. Yeah,
6: we're we're privileged here at Somerville to be the only Church of Christ in our direct community that is mixed, has both black and white members worshiping together. Years ago, their building burned down, and the elders here they extended out the invitation to say, "Let's correct what should have been going on anyway, and let's just all worship together." And the privilege that that's been to be laboring and working together is exactly what we need to be thinking about more along the lines of James chapter 2. We have that sin of partiality where it's not talking about uh, different colored brethren coming into the assembly, but different social statuses of brethren. You have the, uh, the, the good man who has all of these great clothing and gold rings, fine apparel, and then there's a poor man who comes, and the New King James calls it filthy clothes, hmm. and you pay attention to the one that looks good, and you say to him, why don't you have the best seat in the house? And you say to the poor man, why don't you just go stand over there and uh, maybe sit here at my footstool? And he says, if you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts, God's chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. And I think what oftentimes has happened in our, in our world – it's not just our country, but in our world – Is that we get an idea about what we deem to be socially acceptable, uh, morally acceptable, financially acceptable, on and on. You could go, and if someone doesn't match a certain amount or all of that criteria that we have set for ourselves, they now therefore have no value. I'll 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 say it to on myself a little bit from a a non-serious. I love fantasy football. Everybody here knows that I'm in a league with at least three people in this room. And I've been in the league with at least five people that are in this room. And I am very critical when I evaluate a rookie coming in. If they are older than 23, I don't really want to touch them. Not because they're not going to be good, but because I'm not going to have them as long as I would have a younger player. And so if he's not the age that I set, he has no value to my team. Not that he has no value, period, but he has no value to what I'm trying to put together. That's fine in fantasy football. It's fine in real football. If a team says he's too old, he doesn't fit what we want to do, that's fine. From a church perspective, there is no age limit. There is no race limit. There is no financial limit. There is nothing. Come as you are. If you need to come to the services in shorts and a T-shirt because you can't afford anything, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to try to preach the gospel to you. If you come in the nicest clothes possible – I'm going to teach you, but you're going to sit in the same pew that that man in shorts and a t-shirt is going to sit in, and I'm not going to show you partiality and favoritism because that's not what I'm supposed to do. Teaching who comes is like what Chase said earlier in the podcast. When a homeless man shows up at my door to my office or to the church building and says, I want to study, even if you think he's just trying to get financial gain out of you to go and buy alcohol or buy whatever else he might want to buy, you still do it, and I'll, I'll tell this, and then I'll be done. Years ago, when we first started working here at Somerville, we went to the local uh, grocery store here in town, and this man in a wheelchair came up to us, and he said, I need food. And so we took him into the grocery store, and we bought him a whole thing of food. We invited him to church, and on our way out, these two older gentlemen looked at us and said, don't you know he's just going to go buy crack with that? And we were taken aback because we'd never met this man before, but evidently they knew him, and I said, well, it doesn't really matter what he does with it now. We've given him the opportunity. Well, funny enough, a couple months later, we have a local prison ministry here that we're involved in. We walk into the jail cell and there's that man in the wheelchair. And sure enough, he'd gotten in trouble with the law and he was in prison. And he said, I bet y'all don't remember me. And I said, I remember you. And I said, when you get out, you need to come see us. I don't care what he's done, I I, I care about where he's going. And that's what our, our whole mission is teaching who comes is no matter who they are, no matter where they've been or where they're going. We want to try to get them to be with God, and the only way to do that is to show them God doesn't look on the outward appearance of the man, First Samuel tells us. He looks at the heart. He looks at the inward appearance of man, and if I look at the outward appearance based on skin color, social status, financial set, stat, whatever it is, I am missing the point, and I am nowhere near what God wants me to be.
0: Yeah, and that that's okay, so especially with teaching. And just to mention real quick with uh, there's a lesson that Dad had to teach uh a few weeks ago, uh, talking about this, but he also mentioned, you know, with, with brethren, with certain people that have made decisions, you teach who comes and you teach them the gospel, but then also you got to remember because of sin, we deal with certain consequences. So yes, we can deal with those on our own. And there are some things that we do have to deal with on our own, but also because we're in the congregation, James chapter two, three, four, five, we can help one another get through those things. Right. So that's a, that's a wonderful lesson as well. Uh, Drew, what you have on this one here?
7: Uh, just to remember that Christianity is a taught religion. Mm. John 6, 44 to 45, Jesus says those who hear and learn come to the Father. Romans 10, 13 through 17. We emphasize verse 17, rightfully so, that faith comes by hearing. But prior to that in the context, you know, those who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. How are they going to call if they don't believe? Yeah. How are they going to believe if they're not taught? How are they going to be taught if we don't go and teach them? And so understanding that, In order for someone to obtain salvation, they must be taught. They must learn about the gospel. Uh, But also is the fact that one soul is worth more than the whole world. Uh, That one soul being taught the gospel and obeying it, you you can't put a price on that. Matthew 16, 26. But here's uh, just a thought that I had really to sum up everything here. It may be your only opportunity to teach that individual. And it may be their last opportunity to ever hear the gospel. Mm. And so when we stand in the pulpit, when we teach a class, we need to treat it like, Hey, this might be the last chance I get. And as soon as I finish this lesson, I've got to go stand before God. What did I, what did I do with his word? Did I teach it accurately? Did I do it in love? And maybe that person that was there, they had to go stand before God that night. Mm. Did they hear the gospel? Would they have the opportunity to obey it? So hopefully that'll
0: help our perspective to teach who comes. We'll get Caleb and then Cantrell, and then we'll combine our last two points here.
5: Yeah, just let me piggyback off of I want to pick you up off of what Michael said, but let me touch on something J- um Drew just said too. It's kind of like kind of like the golden rule. Um we would want to be taught if we were in their situation, would we not? We wouldn't want someone to only give us 25% or 50% of what they've got. Um. Just simply because we were the only one in the crowd, we would most definitely want to be taught um, to the fullest extent if we were in their situation. So we need to look at that, uh, look at them with that idea that if we were in their shoes, what would we want done? We want the gospel taught to us as effectively as possible. But then, to piggyback off of what um, kind of what Michael said, if you you know we talk about. The physical appearance and how so often we we look at people and think and we kind of form this prejudice in our minds just based off of what they look like but if you um, if you look at the Greek and James chapter 2 if you look at verse two it's the Greek word um, reparos and it can also mean this idea of somebody who is impure or somebody who is wicked and I think so oftentimes we can look at somebody um, from this spiritual standpoint and, and look at well, look at the the wicked things that they've done. Look at the sins, look at the the their past, look at all the mistakes that they've done and think there's no way in the world God could say that. I'm not saying that we do that, but I think Christians in general, we kind of form this holier-than-thou attitude of I'm so much greater than you, I'm so much better than you. How could God ever save you from, from your past, from the things and the sins that you've done? Um, and yet we need to also understand that if it wasn't for the gospel of Jesus Christ, if it wasn't for his blood, then we too would be in the exact same condition they were uh, before they came in contact with the blood of Jesus as well. So we have to look at everybody, I think just also from that physical standpoint, but also from the spiritual standpoint and understanding that, yes, they've done, they've made mistakes. They've committed sins in their past, but just as they have, so have we too. We are also in that position as well. So we need to look at it from that standpoint as well.
0: And that goes all the way back to Luke 15, right? The older right. brother and the younger brother. And again, I was talking to dad about this yesterday and I, we were studying this and it kind of relates to Romans chapter two with the younger brother being the Jews and the older brother, uh, well the, the older brother being the Jews, but the younger brother being the Gentiles. And so remember in Romans, Paul was telling them, look, yeah, the Jews or the, the Gentiles didn't even have the law, but they were still following. But then you guys had the law and you're not listening to it and your forefathers aren't listening to it. And so with Luke 15, with the older brother, he got so mad that the younger brother came back and said, well, how come he gets all this? But I've been here this whole time. He said, you're doing exactly like what they did in Luke 15. Right. So it's it's an attitude problem. But that's really good, too. Uh, Cantrell and then going back to Chase.
2: Yeah, I think for me, for, you know, for the original question that, you know, pretty much started this conversation, you know, something I always try to tell myself before I get up to preach is, you know, as if Jesus is on the front row. Like he's actually there. Hmm. And if I always keep that in mind, whether it's one person, whether it's a thousand, whether it's 10 people, I'm going to go as hard as I can to get the message of Jesus across. So that's, that's, that's what I want to share.
0: That's good. Chase.
1: Yeah. And to, to piggyback off of that, I have learned in approximately four years of ministry to try as I may, not to get caught up in the numbers because it used to really bother me and you talked about earlier you know the sunday night attendance versus the sunday morning attendance don't try not to get caught up in the numbers because uh, at the end of the day the souls that are there they're going to benefit from the word regardless of you know the ones that are not there and they should be yeah it's it's a shame and it's sad but the ones who did show up they're going to benefit from it and one personal example that I've got from back when I was preaching at home in in Louisiana. We had a Christian Evidences Seminar, and we were really hyping this up and inviting a lot of people, and I had invited some family members that I really wanted to be there, and they told me they would. Well, guess what? They came up with some lame excuse, and they didn't show up. I was really upset, and that was almost going to ruin the whole seminar for me because those family members said they were going to show up. And then they came up with the lame excuse and didn't show up. And then we have the seminar and a congregation of normally about 50 people had 120 people show up that night. I was so mad about my family members who didn't show up. And yet 120 people did show up. I should have been focusing on the ones who did show up rather than the one or two who did not. And so, you know, you think about that. You also think about the numbers in terms of Noah. Hmm. Noah preached for 120 years. How many people got on the ark? Eight. Only eight. eight souls. So at the end of the day, we need to, to just preach the word and let's not worry about those numbers so much.
0: That's good. And and for sake of time, guys, I want to combine these last two points here um, being patient and I can't control the heart. Uh, Michael, and who else raised your hand? We got someone else. Did you have your hand raised, Mike? I did. Yes. So we can go on here before we combine these last two.
6: I'll, I'll piggyback off of what Chase said with this this patience and can't control the hearts. The first thing is the patience to preach 120 years, not a single conversion, because something I don't think we touch on enough, the Bible does not say that Noah's household was righteous and that the, Noah's household found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible says Noah alone found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And, and some commentators and others have suggested that God was gracious to Noah's family because of his righteousness and allowed his family to live. And we see the the, the wickedness of the, the man even after the flood, that wickedness did not be eradicated after the flood. There was still sin in the world, but we talk about being patient and having 120 years. And I've been a minister almost seven and I've been in full-time ministry in al- for almost five And sometimes I want to pull my hair out. And I'm thinking 120 years, but that patience, you know, Jesus waited 30 years to start preaching. I don't know why. I know there was a reason for that, but the time was not yet come. But in those three years, I know we've all said this before, that Jesus accomplished more than all of us will ever combined be able to accomplish. And all of the ministers in the world be able to accomplish. And Jesus showed quite a lot of patience, and he understood that he couldn't control the heart. He just basically preached the gospel and let people make the determination, such as the case in John chapter 8 with a woman caught in the act of adultery and brought before Jesus. He basically said, go and sin no more. Now, he didn't look at her and say, woman, you're healed of your sin. You'll never sin ever again. He basically said, go home and control your heart. Take what I've done for you today and fix your heart. And that's all we can do is preaching. We can stand in the pulpit and we can preach a gospel sermon and tell everybody what the Bible has to say on a matter, but then in the end, when we give the invitation, all we're really saying is go and sin no more. We can't force people to obey. We can't force people to repent. We just have to hope that our diligence and labor, that God will give the increase and that we will be able to work on their heart and chip away at the calloused heart that they may have and be able to show them the Lord and that they would be dedicated to follow after him.
0: Let's get, Drew, if you could combine kind of these last two points here and kind of give a synopsis here of what you found.
6: Yeah, and it's all wrapped up
7: into one passage, uh, and I'd like to just read it. Second Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel,
0: Hmm. but
7: be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will.
0: That's it. <laughs> he might drop on it. He, he, he muted himself after that. That's I mean, that's what it is. We be patient, long suffering, uh, but that's, I mean, Daniel, he's the youngest one here. You'll see your patience is going to be tested. You know, you'll be tested, right? Well, you'll have to continue to be patient with yourself, with the brethren, but also with what God wills for you. So he might, you know, there might be some some troubling times, but you still got to be patient and long suffering and stay in the Word. Um, Caleb, what's your what's your two? If you could combine these last two, if you will.
5: Yeah. Um. As ministers, uh, and what really as Christians, our job is not to make the heart believe and obey. Rather, our job is to simply sow the seed. Hmm. Um. I think that if if we could make the heart believe and obey, then I don't think that there would be a single lost soul in the world today.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. we
5: would go out and do all that we can. Um, but obviously that's not the case. All we can do is to go out and sow the seed. And so we need to make sure that as individuals, as Christians, that's all we're doing, knowing that we're going to stand before God on the day of judgment and answer for the things that we've taught and not for the actions of others. So that's something we need to keep in mind. Be patient with people around
0: you Mm -hmm. Do all that you can to preach the gospel. And Jameson, if you could combine these two from your notes.
8: Yeah. Well, well, and just as far as being patient uh, passage, we mentioned earlier, second Timothy four, two, uh, Paul tells Timothy you know, in their preaching the word in season and out of season when people want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. As we teach people the word of God, uh, we must be, uh, it is possible and it is expected of us to be long-suffering as well as faithfully uh, teaching the word of God uh, in an accurate way. So as far as we teach the word, we have to be long suffering. And and as far as the point controlling the heart and letting God do the work, um, I I battle myself on this point probably every week. Hmm. Um a- every Sunday night when you know Sunday's over and we're back home. Uh I I, I wrestle this idea probably every single week. I, I think I don't think a week goes by that I don't ask myself or ask my wife, you know, did did that go all right? What did you think about that? And then I have to remind myself that if I have taught the word of God faithfully and accurately with long suffering, uh, you having the right attitude, the proper attitude, then there's really nothing more I can do. Um, And I Recently, I preached a sermon from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and came across something in verse 17. I'll share it quickly. Um, Paul said, uh, he, he talks about preaching the gospel and he says, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect or it should be emptied of its power. The apostle Paul would urge every teacher and every preacher of the gospel today, I mean, including myself, to focus more on the message itself than on what is considered good public speaking. Hmm. Because I think too often we fall into this trap of, you know, it's all got to be structured this way. And I have to do this. I have to do that. Paul said, that's exactly what I did not do because that would empty the cross of its power. The power of God is in the message, not the abilities of the speaker or in how smooth the outline is. Um, and that is something that I have to remind myself of every week. The message is the point and getting that across to people is what matters.
0: Mm, That's good. Houston, what'd you have on these? If you can combine these two.
4: Okay. So Caleb touched on what, what I'm thinking um, a little bit, whenever he said that if it was up to us, that if we, we want everybody to be saved. And if it was up to us to change the heart of man, then everybody would be saved. And it's the exact same way with God. I, I understand uh, 1 Corinthians 3, it says that, that, um, that Apol, uh, Paul, he said that he planted and that Apollos watered, but God that gives the increase. God is the one that gives the increase. But I think what he meant by that was that the seed which he's sowing, it was God's. And the water which Apollos watered the plant with, it was God's as well. Ultimately, all of their labor was because God permitted them to do so. But it's the same way with, with, with God in that he wants everybody to be saved. First uh, Timothy chapter two, God um, wills that every man should uh, repent and come to the knowledge of the truth. So he wants everybody to be saved, but not everybody is going to be saved. Uh, one of our instructors, I think it was Brother Waycaster, so you may not have had him but I believe it was him that said that his most fruitful work, it took him five years to get there. So Hmm. he was five years at this particular church where he saw, he said he saw no fruit. And after five years, then it became his most fruitful work. Hmm. And so it may, it may take, it may take a lifetime. I mean, like uh, Michael mentioned with Noah and you may never see any fruit so long as you're still sowing. And so long as you're still watering, You may never still see that fruit, but odds are you are going to see that fruit, but it may not be right now. It may not be within a week. It may be uh, years from now, 10 years from now, or at the end of your work, but you will still receive the reward and the fruit of your labor.
0: That's good. We'll go with, uh, with Daniel and then, uh, Chase, we'll get your comment here. So Daniel, if you can combine these two, just tell us what you got from your notes here.
3: All right. So I'll keep it short. Um, Romans 15, 7 tells us to receive one another just as Christ received us. That verse is, to me, incredibly challenging when you think about how Christ received us and how we're supposed to do that for each other. You know, God is very patient with me, Hmm. and I think we probably would all echo that. Yeah. My job is to do the same thing. My job as a Christian more ultimately than as a preacher is to do the same thing with everybody else.
0: And then Chase, and then we'll close our podcast out for the day here.
1: I was just going to, uh, I'm going to work backwards on these last two questions if that's all right. Uh, what Houston was saying earlier, he said, uh, Paul planted, Apollos watered and God gave the increase. That's God's role. So we need to focus on our role. Our role is, number one, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said, all power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe you all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So that's our role. And uh, Jameson had mentioned 2 Timothy 4, 2, we preach the word. And by the way, uh, whether we're talking about formally formerly, formerly in the pulpit, preaching the word, or Christians in general, uh, in various ways, um, you know, pulling people towards us and, and saying, hey, let me teach you this, kind of like uh, Apollos had to be taught by uh, Priscilla and Aquila. So we've all got that responsibility in some way or fashion. But we've got to to preach that word. We've got to do it with long-suffering, like Jameson said. And 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22, I like what Paul said there. He said, he became all things to all men so that by all means he might save some. Hmm. We need to associate with people. We need to understand people. We need to get with them and, and talk to them and, and see what's going on in their lives and become all things to all men, so that by all means we might can save some. So that's what I would say about not being able to control the heart and just getting to work. And then as far as being patient is concerned, I was going to say what Jameson said, second um, second Peter 4, 2, but also back to what Michael was talking about a little bit earlier. He said, Christ is so patient with us. And I think back to what we had also mentioned a little earlier. As it pertains to Noah, First Peter chapter 3, God was what when the ark was preparing? He was long-suffering. long-suffering. God was long-suffering with the most evil world this world has ever seen, I'm convinced. Genesis chapter 6 and following. I know it's getting really evil again, but I think it was way worse back then. And God was still patient with them for 120 years and allowed Noah to preach for that time while the ark was preparing, and he was long-suffering with people so that they had the opportunity to repent and mm-hmm. be obedient unto him again. He is, He's long-suffering with us as well, so we need to remember that. As it pertains to our preaching, we need to be long-suffering also.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a beautiful thing to know that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. You know, every morning he gives everyone an opportunity to get it right, keep learning, keep growing, keep developing, uh, keep growing in faith. Uh, I want to thank you guys for being on today. I really appreciate you guys. Um, And I think it's also good for our listeners to hear preachers talk this way. Um, But I also think it's good for our listeners to hear um, preachers really encourage one another. Um, So I want to do that for you guys now. I just appreciate you guys for what you do because you may not hear it enough where you are. Um, And so I appreciate you guys for what you do, for your work, for your sacrifice. Um, Not a lot of people know the sacrifices that you guys make um you guys are doing such a great work i know many times you have our days where we might quit twice a day we might quit a day but you know you just keep studying keep learning keep growing i know i don't see you guys as often as i would like to um, but i love all of you guys and your families dearly Um, not just me but my family you know we love you guys Uh, we appreciate you guys and what you do um, and hopefully that will continue to study and develop and keep learning together so love you guys Uh, let's keep preaching, uh, just like what it says at the school, you know, preach the word. So, uh, let's continue to just keep getting better every day and, uh, helping other people get to know Christ. Um, so again, we're thankful for the scattered abroad network being on with us today. Again, you can find them anywhere you get your podcast. You can also find them on YouTube as well. Just look up the scattered abroad network and you'll be able to see there and subscribe to their channel, um, as well. So again, we'll be back next week, Lord willing, hopefully on Monday, uh, to continue to study. Uh, we're so grateful that we were able to hit uh, 10,000 downloads. So We're so thankful for you guys, and uh, we're so thankful for the opportunity that the gospel has to spread, and we hope we continue to grow and develop together. So thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.